Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Thank you, Alex. Uh, great having you share and lead us this morning. Very touching. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. Uh, I know Randy is celebrating Brianna's birthday. It's her birthday as well as uh, Mother's Day. Um, so happy Mother's Day and birthday to her. And again, it's... I'm so sorry we can't be together on Mother's Day. Uh, you know, there was a meme out there saying that, you know, well, of course, it'll be over by Father's Day because that's how it usually is. The mothers usually do not get the celebration they deserve, but dads, it'll come around. But anyway, I hope you guys are having a happy Mother's Day. Hope that you're able to be with uh, the people you love. And again, the hearts go out to those who have lost their moms or those moms who have lost their children. This is our first Mother's Day, my first Mother's Day without my mom. It's definitely something uh, you're aware of and know that there's many out there going through the same thing and especially not being able to connect with uh, our family the way we normally can. It could be very difficult. And so I pray you guys have a great Mother's Day and that the Lord does touch and give peace to your hearts through this time. Uh, a few other things in the announcements. wanted to let you know that this week we are not going to be having uh, the meetings on Tuesday, both in the afternoon with Corrine in the evening prayer with Beth. Uh, Brian is not going to be doing the writing workshop also on Thursday, but Ben is still doing his Zoom meeting on Saturday mornings. And so I'll try and get that up with all the information. I'm sure Ben sends some information out as well. Um, but otherwise, the other meetings will not be taking place this week. And I hope you guys will uh, continue to connect with one another in what ways you can throughout the week as this opportunity uh, forces us to do things differently. Um, I know that there is a lot of question on when will the church be meeting again, and we don't know. Um, someone posted on my Facebook page something from another pastor uh, that I took down because I didn't want it to be thought of as coming from me. Um, I usually don't take things down from my Facebook page. I usually don't care. Even if people disagree with me, it's like, fine, it's opportunity for conversation. But I took this down because I didn't want it to be construed as coming from me. I don't know when we'll be meeting. We'll be meeting as soon as we feel that it is, of course, safe and that we can do so in a way that is going to 
help in our relationship with people. We're not here to try and make a statement or plant our flag and say, yes, we're the church, we're important, we need to meet. Uh, We want to do everything that we do because we care about people and we want them to know that that is what we do is care. And so when that happens, then we will be meeting and we'll definitely let you guys know. I know in San Bernardino County, you're allowed to walk around without masks. Um, So that's nice. Uh, But still, I guess in stores and stuff, you have to wear masks. It's kind of funny, though. A lot of the stores I go to, seeing the people who work there not wearing their masks properly. Anyway, it's kind of funny. Um, in a strange way. Anyway, again, happy Mother's Day. I'm glad you guys are joining and tuning in with us here. I want to remind you that you can still give online to financially support Genesis. You know, I'm so thankful for our community. Gil sent out a memo this week just saying how much uh, everyone has continued to support and give. Things have dropped a little, but not that much. And grateful for you guys, not only for the giving where you can give at thegenesisstory.com or on uh, the bank at uh, Chase. We have the, they have the Zella program you can find also on our website. Um, but you guys are giving of yourselves in other ways too. I, I've heard so many stories of people reaching out to check in and see how everyone's doing. I know people have checked in on us. We're checking in on people. And so thank you for being the church and living according to Christ. It's encouraging to me to hear these stories, and I pray that you guys continue to reach out and see how everyone's doing through this time. Um, This morning, I want to talk about change. Uh, Earlier this week, I was listening to my playlist as, as I was driving, and Bob Dylan's song, Times They Are Changing, was on, And I was thinking, oh, man, this is a great song, just listening to the lyrics. And that same day, someone else posted on Instagram, I think it was, that song, but by a different artist. And I forget the artist. And I I sent a message saying, how funny, I was just listening to this song uh, by Dylan today. And they responded by saying that, you know, that they sense a spiritual shift taking place and that the times are changing And I've heard a lot of people talking about this, like, oh, man, there's a a real shift that's taking place. And more people are listening online than usually even attend church. And there's all this kind of feeling that something's happening, right? And there is always this hope at times of unrest. There is always this kind of thought that God is doing something to make things better. And God is always doing something the question is, are we doing anything? I, I, I think that that is really the question. I, I'm not questioning whether there is a shift in what the Spirit is doing. I think the Spirit of God is always shifting and moving things. The question I have is, am I shifting, right? You know, you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone because the times they are changing. God is always working, but am I swimming? Am I moving along with the changes that God is doing? And, and, and that's what I 
am questioning of myself and what I want to see take place. We, we saw this surgence of, of people getting together and coming to church after 9-11, and there was the same kind of commotion. Oh, man, God is doing something. They're bringing us together. We even saw for a very short period of time, there was the stopping of the the political mudslinging, right? Because, oh, we've got to get together. We're all in this together, this kind of importance. But what's happened, right? I mean, you look back at 9-11 and that idea of we're all in this together and now there's more mudslinging than ever. And I, I want to just prepare us for what's going to be coming this year and all the things happening politically, it's going to get ugly. And the shift that needs to take place needs to take place in us if it's going to show up around us. And that's what's important. And so I want to look at John chapter 12. I want to look at a time where there was big changes taking place, where there was this shift that was anticipated, where it's what we call the triumphant entry of Jesus. And we even talked about it before Easter, the week before Easter. And we see here a picture of celebration. But have you ever celebrated something before the actual victory? Right? Have you ever been maybe in a sporting event where people were celebrating the victory and then there was a change? Remember the 2017 Super Bowl? where the Falcons were up, I believe it was 28 to three against the Patriots. And in the last part of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, the Patriots came back. They tied the game at the end of the fourth quarter and ended up winning in overtime. And and people were just like, this game is done. By the halftime, it was like, oh, this game is just a blowout. Who would have thought it? and started celebrating too soon. And there can be an idea of a celebrating something without really recognizing that victory. And it's a dangerous thing to expect victory when you haven't yet won. And it's another thing to understand what victory really is and what it looks like. And so in John chapter 12, starting at verse 12, it says... The next day, the large crowd had come to the feast, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. We see an incredible, and I can imagine a high emotional moment, right? Where people are, hearing about Jesus here and he's coming into the city and they start celebrating him and start shouting out Hosanna. And the word Hosanna means save now. Hosanna was really a a phrase of desperation before it became a phrase of celebration. You know, we hear Hosanna and we think of maybe praise or worship. There's Hosanna albums and music in the songs. The lyrics are all saying Hosanna. But really, it was a cry of desperation. God, save us. Help us. And it only becomes a celebrated word if it is answered to the desperation. 
In other words, Hosanna only has that meaning of celebration if our cry of desperation has been heard and has been listened to by God. And we have to ask the question, what were they crying out? What were they in desperate need of salvation? And that word, we we hear it so many times, and I don't want it to become some archaic word that just loses its power. Their cry for Hosanna, for salvation, was very much one that we could sense and understand, even as we want maybe to be delivered from some of the things happening around us now, from the pandemic and and a lot of people struggling, businesses struggling, things struggling to, to stay afloat. And we're asking, oh, we need deliverance to be able to gather again, to be able to to do the things that we are used to or need to, to continue the life that we are used to living They were crying out because they were under the Roman Empire. They were under an oppressive empire. There was injustice. There was discrimination. They wanted deliverance just as they did in Egypt. Remember, they're coming to celebrate the Passover where they remember when they were delivered from the tyranny of Egypt. And now they have the emotion of, oh, here comes Jesus Maybe he's the one who will deliver us from the tyranny of Rome. And so they are ecstatic and they are celebrating and they want justice. We want justice, right? We hear of injustices and and it breaks our hearts and, and the world wants justice, not just people of faith, right? We all want this, don't we? We want justice for Hamad Aubrey and his family who was shot in February and then the video comes out just a week ago and now we have the two killers put back in jail or put in jail. We want justice for the people of Haiti who have been crippled by governments that have come and abused their power and have stolen the wealth of the nation. We want justice for those in human trafficking. We want justice for child labor and those who are working for nothing. And we want justice for all these things, for people who are undergoing difficult times and under persecution. We want justice from political, industrial, and environment, environmental corruption. We all desire these kinds of things. And it doesn't matter. Even people who don't believe in God want usually this kind of justice. And we expect that, right? We expect God to save us from these things. God, save us from poverty and save us from hunger. God, save us from racism. God, save us from senseless violence. God, save us. Hosanna. Save now is a cry of the human soul. We want God to save us from this world, but we want him to save us from the world that really we have created. And we don't think about God saving us in the world that we've created, but from the world we've created. And what I mean by that is 
we want God to change the world without really changing us sometimes. Oh, I want to see these things stop, but I don't think about those things stopping in me. We want God to fix the world without fixing us. We want to see a spiritual shift without our own spirits being shifted. And you see, there is no change going to take place after this pandemic if a change doesn't take place within us through this pandemic. We are going to go through this and go back to what we are used to or stay where we are unless we make changes. Unless we do things differently, things will continue to go the same. When they cried Hosanna, they wanted God to fix the problem, but they didn't want to own that they were actually part of a problem. We miss everything that the king and his kingdom stand for if we don't see that he came to fix not our problems as much as he came to fix us. Jesus didn't come to save them from the temporary effects of the Roman Empire. He came to save them from the cause of all these effects. And that's important to see because as powerful and as solid and as enduring as the Roman Empire was, It has come and gone, but the long-lasting problems of the human condition continue to this day. And the same thing that caused the tyranny of that empire has caused the tyranny of so many empires. And breaking it down to even smaller segments, maybe it's not an empire, maybe it's just an injustice at work or in a family where someone has power and uses power and asserts it over someone else in an unjust way. If God ended war on this planet today, but did not change us, we would have war tomorrow. Because the condition of, within us is what causes the circumstances around us. If God ended poverty and injustice, but did not change us, there would be poverty and injustice tomorrow because it comes from within. We can't separate ourselves from our problems and we have to accept that we are powerless to change really what needs to be changed. We need help. We all do. I have had to shift from asking God to save me from this world I created to asking God to save me from the person who keeps creating this world. Help me, God, not to be part of the problem. And again, we we see this in so many nuances. It, It takes place in small ways as it develops and becomes something that's big. I mean, the first step in AA is to admit that we are powerless, right? We 
We have to admit that we are not able to change ourselves without first really seeing ourselves. And it's hard to see ourselves clearly unless it is illuminated. And that's what God wants to do. You see, there's something empowering about admitting that we're powerless. There's, there's something liberating, recognizing the things that we're enslaved to. There is something healing when we admit that we are sick and need a great physician. So many times in my life when I have said I'm sorry or I'm wrong or I have confessed the problem with me, I find the burden lifted off me. All the times I tried to hide it, I tried to to keep it secret, the times I tried to deny it, the times I, I have fooled even myself from the situation that I'm living in, when it finally comes to bear and it comes to, comes to roost and you own it, you find yourself liberated from it. And that's what I believe needs to happen. And as we look at this situation and look even closer at this king's triumphant entry, it's so telling, right? In verse 14, it says, and Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it Just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. That does not leave me with a sense of awe and power, right? Fear not, for here comes the king and he's riding on a baby donkey. There's something lacking in that portrayal. I, I mean, you have to, again... Remember, the Roman Empire, when they would conquer a nation, the army would return with the general out in front on a stallion in his armor. And behind him would be the army marching in their armor. And behind them would be the captives, the people who've now been enslaved, the people who are their enemy are now following in chains. And this was all a presentation of power. Look what we've done. We've conquered this nation. They are now ours. And that leaves us a sense of power. You see, that's like gladiator. That's the movie. But here comes Jesus on a donkey. And it's more like Shrek. You know, it's more like, well done, donkey. Well done. I mean, you just hear Eddie Murphy's voice. At least I do. Jesus comes in on a baby donkey and it doesn't give us this picture of power and authority. But I don't think it's meant to. You see, when it says, don't be afraid, your king is coming, how he's coming is very telling to what he's coming to do goes on in verse 16 and says, his disciples did not understand these things at first. And who can blame them? This, this isn't what they were expecting. This isn't what victory looks like. This isn't the picture that they had in their minds. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things had been written about him and had been done to him. Verse 17, we get an understanding of why the crowd was there. The crowd had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead. 
continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So they are here because the one who raised a person from the dead is coming into Jerusalem. And if he can conquer death, then Rome is no problem. You see, no one else could conquer Rome, but maybe this king could. And they wanted a king who could conquer their enemy, but they weren't looking for a king who was there to conquer their own souls. And today is Mother's Day. We're going to have maybe our kids you know, come to us and our family, or we're going to go visit our family. I know we're having our kids come to our house and it's going to be without masks. We are going to be together and we're looking forward to this. And our life has been in some turmoil, right? I mean, at our house specifically, there's a lot going on there. We've painted our house. So we kind of have moved things, taken pictures off the wall and they're not all hung yet. And I've got my my daughter and my son-in-law going to be coming to live with us uh, later this month. And so we're making room for them and we've cleared out our garage. And so there's all the stuff that was in the garage is on the driveway as we're trying to go through it because we're going to put some of their furniture in there. And our house is kind of in chaos right now. And I know that right now, If my wife is not listening and watching this, she is probably cleaning the house because her kids are going to come over to celebrate her for Mother's Day, right? It's kind of the the role of moms. They end up doing all the things even though it's their day. And I don't know if you guys are like this, but there's been a few times where we have an event and it's been busy and so we've had someone come and clean our house in preparation for you know the event that we're going to have at our house my wife will clean before the cleaners come because she doesn't want them to know how we really live, I guess, right? And it's never that bad, but she always has this idea, well, I don't want them to see how bad things really are. And I think it's kind of funny. And I just like, why are you cleaning? Well, because the cleaners are coming. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Why are you cleaning? They're supposed to do these things. But God forbid someone should really see how we live and who we really are, right? We want to put this up front so that people see us in the best light. And I I jest with my wife, but we all do this in one way or another. We, We all want people to think the best of us. And sometimes in doing so, we hide what's happening in us. Yesterday, I received a message on Instagram from a woman who lost her grandson just a few days ago. And he died one day after he was born. And she said, God, forgive me. I have anger towards God and I need forgiveness for my feelings. I pray for peace, but my mind is my worst enemy. I feel anger, frustration, and disappointment. I prayed so hard for a miracle and now I experience guilt for being angry with God. 
And as she shared this with me, I could sense this feeling of shame that she had for being upset with God. But I, I understand that feeling. We, we've all had this feeling. And imagine, you know, a God who comes in and visits our soul in its darkest moment, in its worst condition, a God who sees the blackest part of our lives, the, the filthiest part of our lives, and he isn't a king who comes in our face on a white stallion. He, he's a king who comes in humbly and says, I know what it's, what's there. I'm not surprised I came just for that. You see, the king who comes in on the donkey, the king who comes in humbly, comes in because he's not there to conquer us. He's there to be the conquering part of us. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment. There's no white horse victory in your face. I shared with this woman that Jesus said, if you ask for bread, he won't give you a stone. That he didn't come to condemn, that he knows our frame and that we are as dust. You see, I wanted her to experience the king who is coming to conquer, but conquer for her, not to conquer her. The, the king who is coming for us is the king who's coming to conquer what needs to be conquered in us. Our weakness comes in all forms. It comes wrapped up in addiction. It comes wrapped up in racism. It comes wrapped up in jealousy and brokenness. It, it can be seen in neglect and violence and suicide and can only be conquered in the gentle care of a humble Savior. It's the only way. Because we are so weak that anything too powerful, we put up a wall and we block it. We, we are so prone to shame because it's what we've used our whole lives. I mean, I, I think of how, as a parent, I failed in so many ways to try and use shame to get my kids to change thinking that that would help make them better people. But that's never what God's done for us. He's never shamed us. He came and lifted us up and lowered himself. Verse 19, it says, So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after them. The Pharisees, the ones who wanted to have control, the ones who wanted power, saw this pomp and circumstance and it made them afraid. Now look, at this is coming to nothing. Look what's happening here. The bewilderment. How, how do you stop someone from gaining power who isn't trying to gain power, right? Jesus never tried to assert his power. He would do a miracle and tell people, don't tell anyone. 
He wasn't trying to get power. They wanted to take him and make him king, and he withdrew himself. Well, how do you stop someone from gaining power when they're not even trying to gain power? How do you defeat someone who isn't trying to win? How do you overpower someone whose only weapon is love and who has come to serve? How do you overpower someone who's already a servant? What do you do with a God who doesn't use his power to force worship, but uses humility to prove you're worth being loved? How do you stop this? It's coming to nothing. All our efforts to stop him have come to nothing. He's still coming here in this triumph gaining nothing because what they wanted to gain was actually worth nothing. They wanted the praise of men. That's worth nothing. Jesus came to earn praise from God only, and he did that by becoming a servant. They wanted power, control, recognition. Jesus was offering grace, love, and servitude. What does it profit if a man gains the world but loses his own soul? And they said, look, the world has gone after him. What a statement, right? You know, I mean, in their eyes, because their world was to control and have power, it looked like they had lost everything because that was their world. But in truth, the whole world hadn't gone after him. In fact, most of the world didn't even know about him. The people who were following him really follow him, because this, remember, this crowd that was shouting Hosanna, not too long after this, some of them were going to be shouting crucify him. They weren't really going after him. The only ones that were going after him, there was, you know, Peter, some other fishermen. There was Matthew, Zacchaeus, some other tax collectors. There was Mary and Mary and Mary, all the Marys, you know. I mean, there weren't a lot of people coming after him, but in their mind, because this was their world of recognition, it seemed their whole world was falling apart because of him. I wonder what would happen if the whole world would go after him. What if we really went after him? We're we're part of those who followed him completely. What if we love those who the world rejected? What if we served instead of wanting to be served? What if we lay down our lives so that others would live instead of taking our lives? I I read an Instagram message again today. Happy Mother's Day to the mothers who are imprisoned, the mothers who are in all these places that no one thinks about but still bore children, right? What if we loved and cared for the least of these like he did? What would happen to all these issues in our society if we really went after him? See, this is the good news, and and this is my point this morning. Even 
these few misfits who followed him, these fishermen, these tax collectors, these people who were considered drunkards or prostitutes, the people who were marginalized but who really went after them, they were a threat to those who were in power because of how they went after him. They went after him to follow in his steps, right? Even that few made a big difference and were a threat to those who were in power at the time. This current pandemic, like the triumphant entry, will have no effect unless we're willing to be affected by the work of God in us. Some of these same people who shouted Hosanna would shout crucify him. They wanted to celebrate a king, but they didn't understand his kingdom. Those who did became like him. I had someone write me a letter, actually a physical letter. I hadn't had a letter written in, in a while. And they asked me a letter wanting to ask some questions. And they, one of the questions they wanted to know was, what is a Christian? What do I consider a Christian? And how would I describe a Christian? And I responded and I told him, for me, it's important to remember that the word Christian was given. It wasn't claimed. The disciples, which means learner, were first called Christians in Antioch by others who saw them, identified them with Jesus. And that makes sense as the purpose of a disciple was to duplicate what they saw and learned from their rabbi. So the big question is, what did people see that reminded them of Jesus? I said, that could take a while to explore, but I don't think it was because they had a certain doctrine or set of beliefs, but more likely it was their posture towards people who were marginalized. Jesus said that the world would know that we are his disciples by our love one for another. If we define belief as trust or confidence in something or someone like Jesus, then I would say a Christian would be someone who had their belief that Jesus was an expression of God to the world and then followed that expression. See, what makes this a triumphant entry isn't because Jesus is going to conquer the Roman Empire. What makes this a triumphant entry is because a king riding on a donkey has come to conquer the human heart, to expose us so that we can see truly who we are and to know that God meets us where we really are and loves us there and wants to change us from the truth of who we are, the need that we really have, the mess that we are really in, and only then can he bring about change. If things are gonna change after this pandemic, it's going to start during the pandemic within the pandemic of our hearts, right? It's going to change when I start to recognize, you know what? 
I sure can be a selfish person sometimes. I know that I don't reach out as much as I could. And again, this is not to put guilt. It's to help me see the need in my life and then recognize God, help me. Here where I'm at, and there's something liberating when I own what's happening in me and allow God to change it. There's something healing that happens when I recognize the sickness in my soul that needs the physician who has come just for that reason. He didn't come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. It's not the healthy that need a physician, but the sick. That's me. And I want to be changed so that when things continue to move forward, I move forward a changed person so that I can allow the work of God to transform me, to to renew me, to help me become more like him so that maybe the community around us would say everyone has gone after him not because everyone has but because the few who do have that much of an impact that people see it and know it and acknowledge it you know i i I want to be one of these people who doesn't plant my flag and say, I am here for Jesus and you need to come join me. I want to be one of those people who like Jesus comes in humbly and says, I'm here to serve and help you. What can I do for you? How, how do you combat that? The Pharisees couldn't because it was disarming. No one taught like this. He had authority, but his authority came from love, concern, and care. So should ours. And so on this Mother's Day, it can be no more fitting because I think of the role of a mother, one who is giving, one who is caring, one who loves so many times without any response. What an example we have in Jesus and in that person of a mom to show this kind of care and love and concern because that's what needs to happen in our world. That's what needs to grow out of this, but it needs to grow out of it from within. Let's pray. Father, I do pray, God, that my heart would shift that your spirit would continue to work within us so that it can change the world around us. Father, may we not look for transformation outside without recognizing transformation that needs to take place inside. Lord, bless my family who is at home all over the city and wherever they're watching. May you continue the work you've begun in each of us. And I thank you for them. I thank you for their desire to follow and serve you.
Lord, may you meet us right here, right where we're at, so that we can be useful for you and your purposes. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Alex. We are going to be meeting also Friday with Dr. Quinlan. I didn't mention that early, so I hope you guys can join us and it can be helpful for you as well. And may you follow in the steps of Jesus, who came not to be served, but to serve. May you change the world in you so that you can change the world around you. And allow God to do that change that you cannot do. God bless you guys. We love you. We miss you. We cannot wait to gather again, and we hopefully will do so soon. Continue to love one another, not just in word, but indeed in action. God bless you guys. We love you. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.